0: Matthew chapter 11. We will read verses one through six in our opening passage. Where well, the Bible says, "And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. My focus is verse 6. Blessed is he. Whosoever shall not be offended in me, and my title is grace, a force to be reckoned with. Thank you and seated in the presence of the Lord. It's interesting to me that though John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, and though he himself even introduced Jesus by saying, "Behold." The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, yet in prison, John was facing doubts as to who Christ may or may not be. And sometimes when we're in our storms, we allow our vision to be blurred and our understanding to be murky. Can I get an amen? But never doubt in the darkness what you've heard God speak in the light. Because even though John was in prison and about to lose his head for preaching the truth, the fact and the truth still remain that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I want to point something out here that's very interesting. In verse 2, it said, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ. That All right, so notice what the pivotal point in his direction of thinking it was after he had heard the very works of christ that he began to inquire as to whether or not jesus was the one that they were looking for now i can't prove this but i want to ask by way of question could it be that even after john heard about what jesus was doing that because what jesus was doing looked so vastly different than anything John the Baptist had personally ever seen, heard, or experienced. That he began to question whether or not that was who they were supposed to be looking for. After all, even John grew up in a religious environment. God raised him up. And raise them and cut them off a different cloth, so to speak. God uh, raised him up to stir up the religious and to call them to repentance. Uh, so John had a lot more spiritual depth and perception than the religious scribes and Pharisees of his day. But do keep in mind that he was, in fact, uh, as a human, influenced by a projection of what other religious scholars thought the Messiah should look like. And so when Jesus began to heal and to raise the dead and to do all these wonderful works, no one really understood that that's what he would be coming to do. They were looking for, the, the religious people were looking for a military leader that would take charge and, and that would overcome Rome on behalf of the Jewish people and establish a religious state. They wasn't looking for a, a lamb that would be led to the slaughter and as a sheep... Before his shearers was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't even fight to preserve his own physical life. This is not the kind of leader they was looking for. And so even John, I personally believe, uh, when he began to consider what all Jesus was doing, it looked different than what he had expected. And let me say this to you today. If you ever completely understand the work of the grace of God, and what He did to redeem you and to redeem me, it often looks vastly different than human expectations. Because most people in the world work a religion. Their idea is to achieve something that would please God, that He might let them into heaven. And so even today we have a whole world of religious people don't even understand what Jesus really did for them. They still try to mix grace with works. They still think, well, he may save me, but i got to keep it. They still may think, well, i tell you what, I don't want to bank on getting to heaven just on what Jesus did. I better straighten up and fly right or I might miss it. And we use phrases like this, and we try to, you know, oil and water don't mix and grace and works don't mix. Not in terms of works unto salvation. Works as a result of salvation. We preached about this last Sunday. Really, this is just a continuation of last Sunday's sermon. But I want you to understand that grace looks different than what most religious people even grasp or understand until the Holy Spirit illumines their heart and mind to it. And that's why I titled the message that grace is a force to be reckoned with. It will trouble you as a religious person. It will cause you to lose sleep at night as a church member if you have never tasted the true richness of the grace of God. If you're still trying to work and strive and do and keep and all this kind of stuff as a way to earn brownie points with God, you, wish you should be stirred up to the point to where you will either be offended Or you will get right with God and fall under the canopy of His grace in faith and repentance. Amen, church? And so grace is something that we must all take a close look at and understand. And I believe that though John the Baptist, uh, I believe that John the Baptist could be adequately described as perhaps the last Old Testament prophet but he was a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so he was introducing the new so that the the old could be fulfilled in Christ. And so John the Baptist even didn't completely understand what grace was about, I don't think, but he did know at least that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I can tell you there's a lot of things that I don't know about. God. There's a lot of things I don't understand about grace, but I can tell you one thing. If I can get you to Jesus, He'll take you from there. Amen. And He can handle you. He can handle you in all of your mess. He can handle you in all of your addictions, all of your problems, all of your secrets. God Himself can handle you when religion don't know what to do with you, but to toss you out and discard you. So, If we're going to be reckoned with grace or reconciled with grace or come into agreement with grace, three things must happen. Number one, you must open your eyes to the truth. You must open your eyes to the truth. Let me ask you by way of question, what are you looking for? Everybody come to church this morning for a reason, for one reason or the other. And quite honestly, sometimes for people, church is a spectator's event. They don't come to engage, but they do come to observe and to speculate and to calculate. Amen. And to uh, regurgitate. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they, they, they come to criticize sometimes. Some people come not really to change, but to just, you know, sometimes it's just curiosity that brings people out. Look at your text. We didn't read it, but look at verse 7 of our text. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to what? To see. (laughs) So even then, people were coming to see something. And look what he asked them, a reed shaken in the wind. I believe Jesus was asking in verse 7, Did you come to see a force of nature? X, that's not it. He goes on. And what went you out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's passes. That ain't John the Baptist. That would be symbolic to me of a force of man. They, came, they didn't come to see a force of nature. They didn't come to see a force of man because they knew John the Baptist was different than all them other preachers. There was something different about him. And some people will indeed come to Washington Heights Baptist Church to hear me preach because there's something different about me than uh, perhaps other preachers that they've heard preach. And I don't say that to boast or to brag or anything. I'm saying that to explain to you the spiritual dynamic of what God is doing in our midst. God often breaks out of our religious boxes to do something new so that we can know that we had a holy visitation from God Almighty. And I'm thankful that God does that for us. And so they came to see an interesting man for sure. I believe they came to see a force of God, but they didn't fully understand exactly what they were coming to see. Verse 9, but what went you you out to see? A prophet? Yea, Jesus said, that's it. You did come to see a prophet. Then he says, I say unto you, I'm more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. They came to see a work of God. Now, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the text where the Bible said that it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house? Jesus was doing a mighty work, and word got out that he was at such and such place doing all kinds of miracles. So the word spread fast that God was on the move over there. And so just as they sang this morning, God was stirring the waters and people were moving toward the stirring of the water because they heard that something different was going on. And for some of you today, it is you have come to the realization of the truth that church ain't what it used to be anymore. All of a sudden you're beginning to fall under some uncomfortable conviction that used to religion didn't move you. And religion didn't stir you and the force of nature didn't impress you and the force of men haven't impressed you but all of a sudden the force of God is beginning to move and now your dead dried up soul is beginning to get uncomfortable and God is beginning to dial your number and he's you're beginning to see the handwriting on the wall that though you may come to church you are found wanting before a holy and righteous God we need to know that God is moving in our midst, and that there's a reason you are here. You may have come for many reasons, but there is a divine reason that you are here. God wanted you here so that he might draw you to himself. Not that he might draw you to me or my family or the choir loft, amen, or to some program in the church, though all those things are fine and dandy, but God wants to know you personally. What, what went ye out to see? What are you looking for? And many come out and see John the Baptist, uh, that old fiery preacher, uh, and they are impressed, uh, but not enough to make a change. Uh, Oh, they're think they still thinking carnally. They're still looking at it more like a a show. Amen. Because uh, it's different, and it's more exciting, and it's more appealing, and I kind of like that. It's just a little different. At least I don't go to sleep. and, And they have a worldly way of defining a work of God. But the truth is, God is stirring not just your flesh. God is stirring your soul to move you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to know today that this is more than a work of man. This is more than a force of nature. This is a move of God. And you better buckle up and hold on because we're praying and we have every intention of letting God have his will and way in our midst. And my prayer is, Lord, hide me behind the cross. Close me with humility and fill me with his spirit so that I don't stand in your way of doing what you want to do with your people in your church. Amen you got to open your eyes, though. What are you looking for? Many of you have come to church year after year and uh, spiritually bankrupt. Amen. Church didn't do anything for you, or so you thought. But little did you know, over the years, the seed of God's Word has been sown into your heart. And now the Holy Spirit's beginning to send a ladder rain. And those dead seeds are beginning to come to life. And all of a sudden, you're seeing things you never saw before. You're hearing things you never heard before. You're understanding things you never understood before. And the Holy Spirit is doing His work of enlightening your heart and your mind. And none of us can take credit for what God's doing. For He is the Lord of the harvest. And He is, the Bible says He has some soul and some water. But only God gives the increase. And God chooses the time and place in which he wants to move. And I'm not suggesting or saying at all that God has not moved here in the past. I'm sure he has. And I thank God. Obviously, something was being done right. Amen. Because God's people were praying and God's people got hungry and God's people got desperate. Amen. But let me tell you something. God responds to appetite. And when we get the hungriest, that's when God brings out the full spread of his grace. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you today that God is doing a work and he wants to he, it wants he wants to get it down on your lane at your house in your bedroom. Amen. Wherever you are, God wants to hunt you down, and he wants you to have more than religion. He wants you to have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whose name is Jesus Christ. Aren't you tired of how wore out religion causes you to be? Aren't you tired of carrying your weight and your guilt and your shame and never feeling forgiven and never feeling satisfied and never feeling delivered and never feeling like you really got any help? I'm telling you, it's t- time to junk your religion. It's time to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to bow on an old-fashioned altar and give Jesus your heart today. God wants you to be stirred unto faith in Jesus Christ. So you've got to open your eyes. What are you looking for? Some of you have been looking for hope and happiness in the pill, and in the bottle, and in relationships, and you have been found lacking in all of the above. Everything you've done and everything you've tried have left you emptier and more cold-hearted, and today God has dialed your number, and the Bible says, today if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Amen. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. You don't call on God when you get ready. You call on Him when He's dialing your number. Amen. Open your eyes. Understand that you are looking not for John the Baptist. You're looking for the one that John the Baptist came to introduce you to. And that's what these people didn't understand. They came out... They thought they'd see something different. And even when they saw John, they thought he was just another prophet. But he was more than that. He was a fulfillment of prophecy, a fulfillment of holy writ. Amen. A fulfillment of the very one that's to introduce the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And they didn't really like what they heard because it would require them to admit the fact that their religion has amounted to nothing in the eyes of God. All that effort and all that energy and all that giving and all of that sacrifice and all that doing and all that recognition means nothing in the eyes of God. And they are too proud to admit the fact that their hearts are corrupt, even though they're religiously, uh, methodically they, they look good on the outside. Oh, they didn't want a preacher to preach on the sins of the heart. We can amen a preacher. I could, I guarantee you, if you never said an amen before, I could get one out of you this morning. All I'd have to do is go preaching on them dirty, rotten politicians. And all I'd have to do, amen, is start preaching on them homosexuals, amen, and I can preach on all them people that ain't here and ain't troubling us, and you'd shout amen, but when I start preaching on the sins of the heart, such as pride and arrogance and unbelief, amen, and, and uh, pornography and things that we try to keep hid, uh, all of a sudden, oh, you trying to squirm, and I hope that preacher gets done early today. I can't wait to get out of here because you came to see one thing, but God brought you to see something else. God wants to call you to repentance today. Uh, he wants you to open your eyes. Number two, He also wants to open your ears. Let me ask you this. What are you listening for? Look at our text, verse 11. Verse 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Read on, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a power struggle in the religious world to stay in control. That's why churches die, dry up on the vine, because of people with power issues. They want to stay in control, and they want to ranch it on down real tight where you can't wiggle or move, and dare you not step out of line, or we will slap your wrist and tell you your place real quick. Religion, the, the letter killeth, but it's the Spirit that gives us life. God wants to wreck your world today. He wants to know what you have come to listen for. What are you listening for? Uh, Read on. Verse 13. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John but if ye will receive it, question, will you receive it? He said, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was explaining to them, this was the spirit of Elijah the prophet embodied in, 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 uh, in John the Baptist. Think of it this way, Elijah come preaching, if Baal be God then follow him, but if God be God, then follow him. And then John the Baptist come preaching, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is their hand it's the same spirit amen they were both called to shatter the darkness of dead religion and let me tell you this dead religion don't die easy amen and jesus was talking about how the kingdom suffered violence because these religious elites were used to their power, and Jesus come messed up everything. Now, all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is getting 6,000 on the seaside with an unannounced meeting, and they could plan for months and maybe get 30 to show up. And now they got to find fault with the one that's ministering to the people because they're jealous that they can't get no more than 30 at their church. Amen? And religious powers that be would rather find fault in somebody else than to admit their own fault. And what we need to focus on is not so much what the churches down the road are doing, but what God has called us to do. Amen? That's exactly right. And we can't, we can't worry about criticism. Let me tell you something. If you haven't already, there will be criticism based on what God's doing at this church. Amen? And, and I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. Unless I need to know it, just keep it to yourself. Amen. I want to stay positive. I want to stay in the Word. I don't need something to distract me or to discourage me. So if somebody's running their trap about me or you or somebody else in the church, do me a favor. Just let them talk and let God be our defense. Amen. I don't need to know about it. That's right. Give God some glory. I don't need to know about it. And you don't need to worry about it. Because God is doing a new thing. And I want to know, what did you come to hear? Because, see, some people can't hear but a certain type of preaching. Well, I like the, well, well, reformed. I like the one that stays behind the podium. Amen. And is quiet and meek and humble and not so boisterous. I don't like that loud preaching. No offense. No offense. And I, I get that. You know, we, we consider ourselves a civilized society, even though we are a bunch of savages, if you want to be honest. Look at our culture. Am I right? Who are we kidding ourselves? We ain't civilized. We're just as savage or worse than we've ever been. Abortion on demand. Oh, my. Savage, savage culture. Savage. Mm-hmm. And yet we pretend to be so pious and well together and all this and all that. But what if God sent a John to Baptist in your mission? I, t- t- look. I don't claim to be, nor ever will claim to be, the likes of John the Baptist. I'm way, I'm so far down. I don't even, I don't even feel like I'm worthy to be numbered amongst God's people, much less God's prophets of the Bible. But I'm, I'm trying to get you to see the spiritual concept, the concept. What if God were to send a work that's similar in comparison in terms of how it stirs people up to change, like He did? In the days of John the Baptist. To cause you to say, Now, wait a minute, that's that's not what I'm used to hearing. And it may take me so a while to get used to it or to even like it if I ever will. I don't know about all this. And God may be just giving you different just so you'll pay attention and perk up because He wants to say something you hadn't heard it in the tones that you're used to hearing it in. Amen. We can get used to a certain methodology, a certain style. And it's not about style. It's not about preference. Listen, my preaching ain't no better than another preacher's just because I raise my voice a little bit and they don't. What makes the Word of God powerful is the Spirit of God moving through it. Whether I say it in a whisper or whether I shout it from the rooftop. It makes no difference when the Spirit of God's projecting the message. It's not about style. It's not about being classy or being rough around the edges. It ain't ain't about personality. God deliver us from building churches on personalities, because as soon as that personality is gone, the the church dies. We need to build it upon the rock, and His name is Jesus. We need to build it on the Word of God. Amen. It's not about personalities. And see, they like John. To some degree, at least they liked them enough to go hear them, and then they decided they didn't like them. They can't make up their mind. They're spiritually schizophrenic. Amen. They're up and down and all the way around. And every wish away, they can't figure out what they really want. I want to know today, and the Lord wants to know, what are you listening for? Are you seeking for teachers, having itching ears, looking for that sermon and that, uh, that speaker that fits your... Listen, let me tell you something about advice. If you're looking for somebody that agrees with you, you're not looking for advice. You're just looking for consent. And if you're looking for a preacher that preaches the way you believe, you're not looking to grow spiritually. You're looking to, uh, you're looking to stay put right where you're at. You want somebody to solidify where you are so that you don't have to worry about changing. But I don't know about you, but I need an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, leather lung preacher that'll preach and plow down my row, amen, and and break up the foul ground of my heart and tell me from time to time thou art wanting before God and you need to repent, amen. I need somebody to call my sin out. I don't need somebody that tells me how good I am. I don't need somebody that pats me on the back, amen, tells me how righteous I am. I need a preacher that'll get up and say thou art the man, like Nathan did to David when he was found in the sin of murder and adultery amen we need we need to adjust our hearing to where we're not looking to hear what we want to hear but we're looking to hear what god wants to say to us which is generally vastly different what i want to hear and what god has to say is almost always without fail two different things have you ever went for advice to somebody that you love And they told you what you didn't want to hear and it made you mad? Well, some of us come to church and we leave mad. That preacher, how dare he preach on that? How dare he question my religion? Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. How dare that preacher say that my works don't amount to a hill of beans? Well, I'm just preaching the book we got to get to the point to where we accept the book as it is. As one preacher said, it don't need to be rewritten. It just needs to be re-read. Amen. Read it again. It'll say the same thing it did last time. Amen. And we, we have people now that are such professional interpreters that they'll twist it to interpret it to say anything. They're crafty with their words like the devil in the garden. Amen. Crafty, even with God's Word, twisting it just to say something slightly different that appeases their sin. But we need it straight, and we need it true, and we need to quit moving the goalposts and redefining words to match up with our preferred standard of living and realize that sin is still sin, black is still black, white is still white, Uh, there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, and we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ, and He is the only way to heaven, and except we repent, we'll all likewise perish. That's where we need to be as a church, as a people, Hearing, coming to hear the Word of God. What are you listening for? Number three, not only should we open our eyes and open our ears, but we need to open our heart. Let me ask, you, ask it to you this way What are you longing for? What are you hungering for? They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Shall be filled didn't say shall be half empty. (laughs) How can you and I, unholy people, by our own acts that testify against us, be filled with righteousness? The only way is if we exchange our righteousness for Jesus. That's the only way. If you hunger and thirst after God, he'll fill you. He'll fill you by washing you in the blood of Jesus and filling you with the Holy Spirit of God. He'll change your world. And if you've ever, you know, there's people today that say, well, I tried religion and it didn't work. And I hate church because I'm bored and I'd rather be doing something else. Let me tell you right now, God wants your attention today especially. Because as long as you have that attitude and you keep, the Bible says, it, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks of the Holy Spirit of God. What are you fighting for? Let me put it to you this way to get your attention. You go ahead and keep fighting against God, because what you're fighting for is to live for an eternity in a place called the lake of fire. If you really want it that bad, go ahead and keep fighting God. Now, when we put it that way, it makes you double think, don't it? it makes you go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't want to go to hell. No, none of us want to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But not everybody wants to go through faith and repentance. Guess what? There's only one way to heaven. That's through faith and repentance. Amen. It's God's way or it's the highway, honey. <laughs> and, and I'm going to get to this in a minute. But I need to reference this verse now. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? God's so gracious and so patient And so loving. He made it easy for us to be saved. All we have to do is turn from our sin to Christ in faith and repentant heart. And he'll save us. And he'll take us to heaven based upon the merits of Jesus Christ himself. And we still want to do it our own way. How do you think that God will let you into heaven and get by after you've trampled underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his darling son? rejecting his offer of salvation. And some of you, your problem's rebellion. You got a rebel's heart. I will not listen to that preacher. I will not listen to my mama. I will not listen to my daddy. I only go to church because I have to, but wait till I turn 18 and I'm old enough to do my own thing. I am out of here, honey. Well, you can be out of here all you want to, but let me tell you something. You're still going to find that there's a holy God chasing you wherever you go, and you will have to come to terms with what grace is offering you. Grace is a force to be reckoned with. You can't dodge it. You can't ignore it. You can spend your entire lifetime ignoring the issue. But one day, all of us, the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, either in the here and now or in the great beyond, you will stand before God and then you will bow both knees and you will worship the King of kings and Lord of lords and you will say, Thou art Lord. Now the question is up to you when you want to do it. You can do it now, and spare yourself an eternal existence in torment without Him, or you can wait till that day and be damned forever with no chance to to change. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. And and the devil's convinced you that if you give your life to Christ, you'll you'll humiliate yourself, you'll lose your friends. You can't live like you used to live, and you, and you kind of love your sin a little bit too much to be willing to let it go. And the devil thinks that you've got it good, and, and the devil's telling you, why don't you just wait a little longer? One of the biggest lies, uh, uh, one of the biggest things the devil's ever told somebody that's struggling with salvation is, you have got, you can wait. You don't have to do it today. Just put it off to tomorrow. But the Bible says, a man knows not what a day may bring forth. You better call on him right now. You don't even know if you'll make it back home today. God wants you to know that you're hungry for something that you don't even know you're hungry for. You're trying to be happy with your life, with your rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. That means that you're placing yourself under the uh, subjection and authority of Satan himself when you live in rebellion to God. And let me tell you, the devil is not an easy master. He's not a gracious master. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he could, if it weren't for your mama's prayers and your daddy's prayers over you, you'd probably already be destroyed. You've got to open your heart and admit that what you're longing for is for God to fill that hole in your heart that only he can fill because nothing else is working. You're miserable. He said in verse 16, just give me a minute, I'll I'll finish when the Holy Ghost is done, okay? But whereunto shall I liken this generation? Jesus said in verse 16, it is likened to children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. You can hear the pious in their voice. But wisdom is justified of her children. Jesus is saying it don't matter what style, what preference, what uh, demeanor they have. I've seen all kinds of prophets your way, and you found reason to reject all of them because it's not the messenger that you dislike so much as it is the message that he is preaching. Amen. And this world, they're not necessarily looking for a great orator. They're looking for someone that will say what they want them to say. And, but God don't take votes. Amen. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Amen. Uh, He will have the last say. God has never changed his mind on what he said in his word, and he never shall change his mind on what he says in his word. Amen. You could get seven billion people on the planet to sing in unison and chorus uh, something that is against that Bible, but God will still be true, and every man and woman, boy and girl on the planet shall be found a liar in the face of a holy God. Amen. Yeah, praise God. You can, you, can, you can legalize and make popular all the sins of this world, but still God commands us to repent. What are you longing for? The longing of your soul is seeking something that this world and yourself cannot fulfill. And watch what happened because of their critical spirit against the men that God sent them, even his very own son, their critical spirit against the preaching of the Holy Spirit through the man of God created a crisis in their life. Verse 20. Then began he to upbraid, that is to scold, if you will, the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. My, my. Did you just see that? Jesus did all this amongst them. But it didn't stir them to repentance. Whose fault was that? It certainly wasn't Jesus. And I fear lest some of you Come as spectators to enjoy a show that was never meant to be a show. It was meant to change your life. Don't sit in here week after week, month after month, year after year, and never repent of the works that God's doing in your midst. God wants to change your life. As the old country preacher said, God wants to upset your apple cart. Amen. Amen. One preacher said, I didn't come to rock the boat, I come to capsize it. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, verse 21. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, uh, that reminds me of America, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in that day of judgment than for thee. Brother Leonard Ravenhill wrote a a book called Sodom had no Bible how much more will we who have Bibles be held accountable my God I sense the holy fear of God in this place Can I say it this way? They got what they asked for. They rejected God's prophets. They rejected the preaching. They rejected the message. They they like to cherry pick the phrases and the sayings of the preacher. Oh, I like what he said there, but ooh, I don't know about that one. We'll skip on by that one. And they they like to cherry pick the Bible, find the verses that are all peachy and warm and fuzzy, but they ignore the ones that call them to repentance. While you cherry-picking the Bible, God's trying to divert your attention from that which you think has secured your salvation. But Jesus even told the scribes and Pharisees, search the Scriptures, for in them uh, you think you have eternal life. And there they would testify of me. He said, if you read your Bible hard enough, you'll discover that it was talking about me. That was Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees. What he was saying essentially was the Bible that you claim to love, tells you to worship me, the very one you want to crucify. And isn't it funny how religion will bind people to the degree that not only will they reject the messenger, but they'll kill the messenger. You're not just happy to go about your merry way. You want to shut him up because something he said or something he did uh, is living rent-free in your heart and mind, and you can't get it out of your mind, and you can't get it out of your heart because there's a holy God calling you to repentance. And and the Bible says there was found no place to hide from him. Amen. And you can run, honey, but you can't hide from a holy God. You can kill John the Baptist, deliver his head on a silver platter, but yet that word that you heard him preach will stay with you forever until you face God so you might as well surrender. You can run as far away from your parents and this church as you can get on the other side of the world, but that message I'm preaching this morning to you will find you wanting wherever you go and you'll not have any peace with God until you make peace with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, I'm going to close, says this, Wherefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels, which is in the Old Testament, was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, or in other words, punishment, if all the sins of the Old Testament were brought into accountability, and they were held accountable, verse 3, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church uh, with the gift the Holy Spirit offers to the church uh, so the men, women, boys, and girls across all uh, barriers can hear and receive the Word of God and the promise of faith. Amen. Uh, and what he's saying is, if uh, how do you think you're going to escape rejecting such a good offer when the Old Testament saints didn't escape and they didn't even have grace? to. God didn't even give them the benefit of grace under the law. And you wanna reject grace? You wanna do it your way? You wanna keep on living in your sin? And some of you are mad at me now because this is two Sundays in a row. I preached the salvation message. I heard about a preacher one time that preached on hell for a week. And deacons come to him about third or fourth day into the message meeting and said, Now, preacher, you know you preached on that last night. The night before. And he said, When when are you gonna move on to a different subject? He said, I'll Quit preaching that when you start getting it. <laughs> I think that was uh, I think that might have been Charles Spurgeon, but I can't remember. It's one of them, one of them, one of them old-time preachers. I, I, I think you need to thank God that He still got you on the hook, and He's still being patient and gracious and giving you opportunity after opportunity, because you're not promised but one opportunity. The Bible says uh, that he has given to every man a measure of faith. Amen. Uh, That means I believe that every individual that's ever been born or ever shall be born had at least one opportunity in their life to respond to a word from God. And based on their response, determined whether or not God continued to pursue them. I'm just telling you. You want to respond. You don't want. You, you can't afford to gamble with your soul. That's too great a debt to pay. Amen. So let me let me give you my uh, closing statement. Grace is a force to be reckoned with. Therefore, be reconciled to God, because Jesus said in Matthew 11:14, "If ye will." Receive it. Here's what I want to tell you. If ye will receive it, you can avoid judgment. If you will receive it, you can enjoy the presence of God perhaps for the first time in your life. Church won't be something that you endure, but it'll be something you can jump up and shout about. Amen? And if you will receive it, you can experience God's power at work in your life. You say, I can't quit sinning. That's exactly right. You can't quit sinning, but the perfect one can. stand down inside of you, wash you in his blood, fill you with the spirit, and empower you to live a life of an overcomer. You can't do it, but he can. Come to him with your chains and all, and he'll save you by his marvelous grace.